This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Larissa Roman Holiday, Head of Marketing and Dorothy Perkins. Larissa, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you for having me. Terrific. Uh, let's set the stage first. So the retail market and fashion in particular has been going through some dramatic changes. The impact of COVID-19 on fashion brands was huge. People were forced to start using mobile apps to buy their new outfits sitting at home and it triggered a lot of changes in how fashion retailers do their business. On the other hand, we see the rising fashion brands like Chinese Chain, which has an impact on the fashion industry, kind of like TikTok has a mobile ad landscape. Long story short, the competition fears and manage to grow your fashion brand on mobile is not an easy feat. And today, Larissa will share with us her story of what it takes. But as always I do on this show, I let my guest to talk about herself or himself first. So tell us about yourself. What is your background in tech? Sure. So hello, everyone. Um, really good to be here. So um, I've been in the industry for over 13 years now. Um, so I've started off working in uh, PPC, actually, on Microsoft account agency side. And from there, I've taken various different roles, um, looking after all sorts of clients from the likes of Google, so launching Chromecast in Western Europe, to the likes of Huawei, uh, launching uh, Huawei as a, as a brand when, when no one knew about them. Um, in Western Europe, um, and then <clears throat> moving on client side, working in gambling, uh, and most recently um, in Buhu Group, uh, looking after Doherty Perkins, uh, Wallace, and Burton. Um, so my roles have been covering uh, all sorts of aspects from brand to performance, um, offline and online, uh, a lot of mobile as well, so quite a lot of experience across um, all fields of marketing, to be honest. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been quite the journey and I'm very pleased to kind of sharing my expertise and knowledge and insights in this session. Terrific, Larissa. And for the record, uh, I've been a great fan of BBC4 documentaries about science. So I, I know what the production quality of BBC is. Cool. Now, tell me about Dorothy Perkins' brand and Boohoo Group. So um, it's been a quite an interesting journey, to be honest, quite an intense journey. So I joined uh, beginning of last year um, when obviously we were coming out of COVID and, you know, people start to kind of come back to reality and normality um, if mm -hmm. this is the new normal. And um, basically it's been very challenging because as you mentioned, not just the cost of living crisis, but also competition and also um, how people consume fast fashion and how they view the industry itself as well. Um, as we all know, consumers have become more and more conscious of you know, where things are made, how are they made, um fair practices uh environmental issues etc cetera, etc cetera. so 
all these factors have made uh, our lives our lives very difficult in fashion, especially in fast fashion, um, an industry where you've got to keep being creative in terms of how you position yourself and how you reach to new customers. Uh, like other verticals, similarly to gambling, if you like, um, there's very little loyalty. Um, so people will go where the best offers are, um, where they see the best value for money, uh, you know, the best uh, sort of designs, etc. So it makes it even harder uh, for brands to kind of focus on that loyalty and retention which as we know as marketeers that that's the holy grail uh, in terms of, you know, saving your marketing budgets because acquiring new customers uh, is a lot more expensive than retaining existing ones. So it's been it's been quite a journey, but I think um, the first thing I've, I did is basically create a brand strategy for each one of the brands, uh, a clear direction that would bring together product marketing e-commerce so it, it wasn't just for marketing to have um you know that that one purpose um that we want to follow and we're all driving towards the same direction we all have the same goal uh, all parts of the business not just the marketing team so once the strategy has been in place then what I did for marketing is um, start having KPIs. And by KPIs, I'm not talking about, you know, the more fluffy metrics like uh, clicks and views and click through yeah. rates or even cost per click and things like that. Not even ROI, but more business KPIs for marketing. For example, um, post marketing net contribution, which takes into account not just the media costs, so the marketing costs, but also... Mm -hmm the impact of return rates, the impact of uh, warehouse, the impact of delivery, et cetera, et cetera. So once you've added all these overheads, once you've taken into account all these costs, you can actually see the actual contribution of marketing, which is an unusual metric. Most of brands are looking at ROAS or ROI, um, mm -hmm. which for us, given what I just mentioned earlier, the, co the increased cost of warehouse, the, the high return rates, um, the, the high cost of, of workers and overheads, all these things add up. And we were we actually noticed that on certain channels, we were losing money, not making any money, uh, which I think it, it was a very, very interesting point. So I would advise um, everyone who's listening to this podcast and interesting in you know measurement and metrics uh, to kind of dig deeper beyond you know your usual cost per click and uh cost per conversion uh, or ROAS uh, sort of metrics because um it will make you realize uh how much more expensive marketing actually is um so once setting up these metrics then it provided us with a very clear picture of what channels are working and what channels are not and it allowed us to kind of with the money saved from the performance channels that are not working to kind of invest in brand. And for brand, again, um, I came to the conclusion that one size doesn't fit all because there are certain brands in the in the Boohoo group who are for younger audiences and certain things like influencers and you know big launches with big parties work very well and also celebrity partnerships. Whereas for the brands I was looking um, after, they, they didn't really resonate with this. Whereas we were spending a lot of money in celebrity partnerships um, and they were not moving the dial uh, for brand and nor for, for performance. So investigating that and also running live customer focus groups, sorry, in person uh, even, um, 
it made us understand what people wanted from us, um, not just from a product perspective, but also from a communications or marketing perspective. So um, all these coupled up, so strategy, metrics, customer insights, um, it really enabled us to kind of focus on what's working from a performance perspective and investing more there, and but also starting to invest in brands because it's I think it's absolutely critical to not forget brand. I know that in times where marketing budgets are cut and when you know it's tough economical times and also um, businesses are desperate to hit KPIs, the mm -hmm. first budgets that are going to be cut are the brand budgets. But then you are doing more damage in the long term and you are not future proofing your, your brand by doing that. So I'm a big believer in continuing to spend uh, in brand despite all these uh, all these troubled times. Um, and there's been many, many studies that actually showed um, that um, I'm just quoting one recent one uh, from UK on thousand companies. Um, basically the first group which increased spend, they have seen a 4.3% increase in market share. The second group of brands which maintained the, the spend flat. So mm -hmm. no increase in market share whereas the last group the decrease spend saw no point a drop in market share so it's just it's very clear and this this is one of the many many studies that actually shows that increasing brand spend in during tough times is is benefiting massively um so so yeah so it's been a, a very very interesting journey and also i think one more thing about this journey at buhu group is focusing on mobile so um as we know we spend 70% of our digital time on mobile um, and 92% of that is within apps. So, you know, mobile mobiles are our life, right? For every, exactly. every single one of us. Um, and I think that uh, too many brands these days are not focusing enough on mobile or they are still, you know, working on the premises that desktop and, you know, we should focus on desktop and websites etc etc and not on apps and mobile and i think that's a huge mistake so we start focusing a lot more on app and growing mm -hmm. our app and on that organic growth side of things so seo app email right. uh, and on on retention the app industry is vast to navigate this space you need a directory to look up suppliers and partners and you need to know who are the best Visit our marketplace directory at businessofapps.com slash marketplace slash podcast. And now back to the show. You mentioned that the brand, um, like it's not a bulletproof um, thing to have these days to be able to attract a lot of loyal customers because uh, it has certain value. People do appreciate brand, but they, at the same time, they're more conscious about like where the, the uh, products were manufactured, what what labor was involved, how fair it was, what about the environmental impact. So, having said that, do you think it's there's a generational um, conflict? Like Dorothy Perkins is primarily catered to millennials, Gen Z, or both? So um, it's very interesting because we thought before running the customer focus groups, we mm -hmm. thought we are appealing to much younger audiences. We thought they were appealing to a 25 to 45 year old, right? But funnily enough, after we actually spoke to customers, 
so quite the range from 22 years old to um, 45 years old, yeah. we understood that actually it's we are appealing to 35 plus. We're not appealing to any of the young ones, which is very interesting. And we would have never known that uh, if we wouldn't have done the customer um, focus group. So again, like really, really important to talk to your customers and non-customers um, to understand what's the brand perception out there versus your own perception of the brand. Um, so uh, it's to your question is 35 it's I would say 30 to 45. That's kind of the core audience. Yes, some 25 year olds are buying from us, but also there's there are many other um, brands in the group that are more appealing to the 25 year olds. For example, just Buku itself. Um, so yeah, so it's a it's a much older brand because I think it's been around for it's got a lot of heritage. It's been around for a while, and um, I think it's got some timeless designs that is is following in terms of products um, that are more appealing to that sort of um, age group. So more or less millennials that group uh, like uh, I'm yeah yeah yeah. If I remember correctly, the numbers should be in that in this range. We, we all heard about the recession and there is a you know, running joke that the, we'll be hearing about recession within a month for the last 18 months. Mm. But jokes aside, companies do cut marketing budgets. So how have you been dealing with these hardships? Um, like looking at the overall budget the split between um, native and paid user acquisition efforts, what is the percentage for you guys? So um, as I mentioned earlier, because of the cut marketing budgets, what I was trying to do is basically still save my brand budget, um, but try to kind of hit targets with less on performance in order to maintain brand budget. Um, mm -hmm. And it's only possible through organic growth or native, as you call it, right? So your SEO, your mobile app, your email, um, your social channels, right? Organic social, your own channels. Um, so I think at the moment, so we've got in terms of brand and performance, we've got uh, six, it depends on each brand is different for each one of the three brands, but for Dorothy and I think we're around 60% uh, performance, 40% brand, which is a healthy mix. Um, and in terms of the um, uh, organic, obviously, we're not, it's hard to quantify you know, because there's no budget per se, but we're very much, so we we have been growing our app uh, by 15% year on year, which is pretty good for a fashion brand. Um, and that's been helping us um, uh, increase sales because the consumers who have the app, they spend seven times more than the consumers who don't and, they are, and are much more loyal. Um, so that's why we're on a really on a mission to grow the app uh, and, and use deep linking and, you know, ensure that every single channel out there has got uh, the opportunities, given the customer the opportunity to download the app. Uh, where, where we're desperate to grow the app. So that's kind of been the main uh, native channel, if you like. Then secondly, SEO, we've invested massively in growing the SEO team, creating an SEO team um, and uh, working on this organic search um, Obviously, there's there's three pillars for organic search in terms of at least in my view. So you've got you know your your keywords, your website, and your content creation. Now we haven't done much in terms of content creation. Uh, we've done more 
on the keywords and on the website optimization. Um, and that's been helping us again a lot in terms of driving more sales. Um, and in terms of, you know, uh, how is it split? I think at the moment we've got around 60% of our sales are coming from organic and 40% from paid. So it's, it's pretty good. Um, but again, we've got a lot going on on email and historically we had a lot going on on email and a, quite a strong customer database um, and topping it up with app and then SEO and then also organic channels growing our numbers of followers and obviously using deep linking on mobile in terms of sending them to the shop and specific products mm -hmm. and then perhaps straight to the app uh, if they have it or installing it if they don't have it uh, has really helped so um, my my advice for everyone would be, you know, during these tough times, uh, the recession is here to stay. Like we've been, yes, we've been hearing about it. Um, no one's been declaring it officially, but we can feel it. I mean, we've seen, you know, sales dropping here. Yeah. So it's it's definitely here. It's just that I think um, it's it's not officially on paper. Um, and brands have been feeling it in terms of cuts, significant cuts here on year. Um, but I think how how you can combat that is try to be clever through organic growth because there's a lot of opportunities out there, and especially with uh, mobile apps. So uh, if you can just single out for among all those channels you guys been utilized for the brand's growth, probably ASO abstractization, ROI is the biggest? Yes, 100%. 100% because we're looking at, so we're not doing any paid media to mm -hmm. install the app. So it's all organic. It's all, uh, as I mentioned, deep linking. Uh, we've got partner who we're working with and it's working really well in terms of measurements. So we know exactly where it's coming from, um, what's the lifetime value, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's important as well, if you go on this journey to be able to measure correctly, to kind of see the impact because it's always uh, it's brand and then it's always the organic thing that the business is going to question like with SEO so the question is oh so if we're doing this now so when can I see the sales well it's not going to happen overnight is it so it's a it's a longer term game and it's like future proofing your brand so I think that measuring and being able to measure the efforts on uh, mobile app um, and SEO and all the other organic channels is absolutely crucial. But your question is definitely the most lucrative channel for us app. It's, it's just to summarize, uh, what results did you guys manage to achieve working with all these marketing channels? Just a few numbers of uh, what was the outcome of your efforts? Uh, in terms of uh, app? Yep. Yeah, so I think, um, so we've grown 15% year on year, as I mentioned, in terms of new users. Um, in terms of the quality of those users, they spend seven times more in app. Um, and they are, uh, I think it's 40% more loyal than the guys who come over email and who are on our email database. Um, it's, and they spend a lot more time, like not to mention the time spent interacting with the brand, because obviously when they are in app, uh, they engage a lot more. You can send push notifications. Uh, it's a little more personal, if you like. So that sort of like time spent with the brand um, has gone up considerably, which is really good because, again, it builds that confidence and it builds that lifetime value, which we're after because it's so expensive to get to acquire new customers. I mean, search, social, well, social is not even working 
working for us anymore, but search is probably 60% more expensive than it was two years ago, uh, which is insane. Affiliates, again, which is another performance channel that works really well for us, is probably 40% more expensive. So everything, all the prices for paid media have gone up. So this makes it even more important from, a, from an organic perspective. Exactly. Having a loyal fan base is just uh, tremendously important. Um, I still remember this uh, ratio, like one to five or one to seven, the ratio between the how much money you're spending for finding a new client compared yes. to, to retaining the existing one. So yeah, you can kind of multiply your efforts to retain your audience on five, seven times. You'll see how much it would cost you to find new people to replacing this one, um, the, the existing customers. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the mobile app is the best to this day. And it doesn't look like anything replacing the app is the best channel to communicate with your, with your fans, with your customers, with your loyal users. Yeah, yeah. Like, Think about the, how much you're interacting with the Apple products. If you're an Apple fan products, you know, that yes. the app from the company is the best way to, you know, check out new updates, uh, see what new products, new accessories coming up for your existing gadgets. So yeah, you can see how, how powerful it is. 100%. Um, so looking at the entire spectrum of marketing channels, is there any marketing channel that you kind of thinking about but haven't tried yet so uh are we talking offline as well or just um digital the entire spectrum digital and offline i guess that uh what we haven't done much so we've done a lot of out of home and again we've coupled it with mobile qr codes which is brilliant because again we can push people it's not just the brand messaging but also an action uh, or you can use codes. Uh, we've used codes in the past and been able to measure, you know, how many people have actually converted, which is brilliant. Um, so I think that in terms of the um, offline channels, that's kind of the area where we haven't explored as much. Uh, I would say um, from a digital perspective, we've tested it all. Um, it's from the offline perspective, I think uh, magazines are a very powerful tool uh, in terms of fashion. A lot of people still read magazines and um, they they read not just the print, but also the digital version. They are uh, subscribed to the newsletters. Uh, they get inspiration from the social channels. So I think magazines are a very important channel that usually gets kind of ignored because people think that, oh, it's print, it's dead. Uh, not at all. Um, people are still reading it. And I think coupled with the digital channels like, you know, email subscription, social channels qr codes um i think it's a very interesting approach and can be a very lucrative channel um and very integrated right that kind of ticks off social right. media email um uh website app etc etc uh can 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 create a great partnership so i would call it print partnerships this is something that's definitely on the agenda in terms of exploring we have done uh, ads in magazines uh with qr codes again to kind of drive people to download the app and we've seen great response there but there's a lot more you can do so i think uh definitely print partnerships is something that we want to explore more but with very 
clear KPIs in mind and again, being able to track everything, right? So again, mm-hmm. to my point, have QR codes in the ads uh, and then have tracking links in all your digital stuff, you know, in app, in mail, or, uh, social media, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I think that that's one channel that uh, needs a little bit more exploring and it's usually overlooked and kind of ignored. Exactly. We're, we're, we're in a hurry to declare um, existing marketing channels to that out when new channels are coming in. And uh, yeah, print is one of those channels that been overhyped to be dead, but it's still there. It's just the, the demographic is different. And yes. uh, if you're dealing with the, the, the age group that your band have, uh, it's totally normal to use print print in um, magazines because this is the viable channels to connect and i do love qr codes because um it used to be a like a major drawback for any offline advertising like with digital advertising measurement is great you can count every interaction so what, what about the regular ads uh, like you know print or um banners like not any non-digital ads, how the hell you can actually inter- measure the impact and measure the traffic coming in from those ads. So QR codes, that's the answer. Yep. And you can just, uh, you know, have, you don't need to use any special app. The standard iOS built-in photo app allows you to scan QR code and lead you directly to the link attached to this code. So as easy as it gets. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, Larissa, you've been in digital marketing for around 10 years. Uh, what would you like to change about mobile marketing the most? <laughs> um, I think the biggest wish is about measurement. Um, well, gardens not being able to kind of have a full picture, right? I think that's yeah. my, my biggest frustration. Even 2023, we are not there yet and especially you know with apple privacy um google coming out it's just it's a mess so the whole mobile environment in terms of measurement it's it's really hard to bring everything together um deep linking is one solution the best solution at the moment but it's still not a hundred percent um and yeah, I that would my that would be my biggest wish, and that's what I would change if I could. Being able to clearly see what's going on, being able to kind of and also get consumers to understand the exchange of value. So if you allow me to track you, you yeah. will see relevant things, right? You will see relevant content. You will get something in exchange because that's what consumers hate advertising because it was so awful and it was it was a nuisance it was a pester and people hate it um whereas you know with the advanced targeting etc it's got to be an a value exchange right you allow me to show you things and then in exchange i will show you products services ideas etc etc that are beneficial for you that are of interest that are relevant that you want to buy um so that's what i would love to change uh measurement and with that consumers perception about advertising yeah i hear you larissa um it's been my question for a while what would happen if um idfa deprecation or introduction introduction of att framework by apple was done 
years and years ago when the mobile advertising ecosystem was in its infancy and kind of uh, the whole set of rules was set back then. Because right now, like when it's just humongous number of networks, DSP, uh, whatever, it's the, the whole volume of advertising is so big and so many moving parts, so many parts that needs to adjust to new framework. It's much more painful right now to do this thing and still expect to high efficiency, still expect to measure your efforts, just like you're saying, and know exactly where your money are being spent. And uh, that's still a kind of a nightmare we're going through and just remains to be seen, like at what point we will finally be able to breathe again and feel kind of confidence that finally we'll reach the point where we can measure the way we would like to and not being just flying blind yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's my last question for this first part of the show. There's a second one, which we're transitioning to. And uh, just a few quick questions. Uh, it's been a lot of episodes for this podcast, um, more than 140, and a lot of people were in this podcast. And every time I do want to paint a small, quick picture of that person for the audience so they know them a little bit better. So here we go. Um, what smartphone do you have now? Um, are you staying one side all the time or switching between iOS and Android? I'm a definitely one side person. I've always been Android. <laughs> but I can't. I, Funnily enough, I have a MacBook, but I think that's the case with a lot of people. So laptop always uh, apple but phone um, always android so i've got a samsung i've always been a samsung girl apart from a short period of time when i had a huawei because i was working with huawei right, so i have exactly. yeah <laughs> okay um for your first mobile phone uh, if you can jump back in time at the point at, at that time where you didn't have a smartphone with a multi-capacity screen, but just the phone you can put in your pocket. What was that phone? So uh, I had a 3310. <laughs> yeah, the classic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I had a 3310 and I absolutely adored it. Uh, yeah, that was my first phone. I think I've thrown it many times. I've dropped it from the fifth floor uh it was indestructible and it was fabulous so um yeah i uh, i think i still have it somewhere i kept it uh, along with my first pager i mean can you remember oh, pager gosh i do I remember those beasts <laughs> yeah exactly i mean who was like my mom was contacting me randomly saying that uh, you know tonight dinner is late it's like but yeah it was madness i had it i don't know why i even had it because usually like just doctors and professionals had it but I did have a pager as well which was very funny and I still have that too <laughs> I think yeah I think in a few years you will be able to put those things on auction for yes. uh, you know Gen Z to grab some mm -hmm. stuff from the you know Asian digital revolution times you yeah. know predating yeah. them yeah <laughs> now um back to present uh imagine you've left your smartphone at home uh for whatever reason it may happen uh, you're out. What is the most missing feature for you? So I think it would be um, my meditation app. So I love uh, Which one? Calm. So oh, I use Calm. calm. 
I've been mm. using Calm since the beginning of pandemic and I am a big fan of Calm. Um, so I don't think I would manage, it, I, there's no day that goes without me meditating, no matter how busy I am, uh, it doesn't matter. I, I find uh, five, 10 minutes to, to do the meditation and um, it's, it's amazing. It, it really changed my life. It really changed how I'm thinking. Uh, stoicism um, it, it changed everything like it, it changed me as a person um, and you know it just some of them some of the, they they change daily um, and some of them on some days when I have a bad day it just happens that it kind of resonates with me and I'm like that's exactly how I feel right now and but it shall pass and you know it's really it, it's a it's my best friend so it's it's very useful if if people are not meditating I would suggest start doing it because it will change your life is not a joke <laughs> okay yeah I would totally join join to your uh a message to people to try to use meditation apps uh and in my case it's apple fitness plus because there is a big section for meditation and relaxation and I've been following one of the coaches on Instagram she's really great um she's been doing this um different meditations 10 15 five minute sessions um and it's yeah it's profoundly great to be able to calm down at the end of the day and uh calm your conscious and uh, wake up next morning being refreshed and ready to rock it doesn't matter if you're working or just you know having your weekend that's just terrific um yeah. having said that um do you have any moments where um you're looking at your phone and wonder wouldn't be great if this, this thing can do this or that uh either hardware or software what is missing for you? What you would like to have uh, on your phone, which is not there yet? So I think more health-related things. So um, obviously in UK, we're going through a crisis with NHS and you know, having a really hard time getting access to uh, medical advice for free. Um, you know, very long waiting times. And sometimes, I don't know, you've got a lump on your arm you just woke up with it for some reason and you're like, oh my God, is this cancer? Like just this sort of, you know, mm -hmm. really quick health help or you're not feeling well or I don't know, your newborn is puking. Uh, really quick, I don't know, something, an app that takes your temperature, looks at your face recognition, whatever, I don't know, that would give you some short answer. This is serious, contact your doctor or this is not really anything to worry about. Carry on or, you know, whatever. So more health help which i think that you know we're getting we're doing great in terms of meditation and fitness but not the actual health health side of things um so yeah that, that for me it would be really good if we can get a bit more advanced there somehow <laughs> exactly healthcare is like a one common um humongously big problem like planet-wise it doesn't matter yes. like I can really think of a of a country where healthcare is on in this shape. You would say, okay, this is the country we should mimic. It has the perfect healthcare system. Like uh, every part is uh, great, and uh, we should just uh, copy it. It's it's one of the um, one of the industries that is waiting for disruption in in a good sense, of course. Okay, yeah. this is great. My final question before I let you go would be this. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? 
Yeah, sure. So uh, if you want to contact me on LinkedIn, obviously you can find me there. Uh, Larissa Roman Halliday, it's spelled weirdly with uh, it's L-A-R-I-C-E-A. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and, and Facebook uh, and just a bit of uh, advertising for myself because I'm here. I also wrote a book, uh, which is about brand oh, purpose. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I think that it's a very interesting topic uh, for not just for marketeers, but for consumers in general, uh, because he's looking at brand purpose uh, above uh, making profit, but more from a perspective of like doing good for society or the environment. So much mm -hmm. higher purpose than just making money. So if anyone's interested in that topic, um, again, you can Google my Google, you can search for my name on, on Amazon and blurb um, and, and find the, the book um, brand purpose, uh, less unicorn, more zebra. It's called quite intriguing title, but uh, if you get the book, you'll, you'll see why. So just a little bit of uh, advertising for myself. If both print and <laughs> both print and electronic or yes. blurb is print and amazon uh is uh, digital great thank you thank you so much for coming on the show and spending time with us larissa no thank you for having me it's been an absolute pleasure great and that was larissa roman holiday head of marketing at dorothy perkins to listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find it easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe. And you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer if you're still listening to podcasts on a computer. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.